Oh, my goodness. It's Friday. Welcome to the program. You made it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete Callender with a K. And uh, the phone numbers, if you want to participate in the program, it's 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email me, Pete, at thepetecallendershow.com. Again, that's Callender with a K and then an A. Give me an L. Give me an I. Okay. Callender. Um, And then also on Twitter, at Pete Callender. And remember, get the podcast. It is free and comes right to your smartphone or tablet every single day, shortly after each hour is completed. So the other day, I mentioned a story. I did not get into the details of the story. Terrible. I mean, I didn't go really in-depth on it. But I want to... You know, Jen Psaki style circle back to it because it actually provides us a really good stepping stone or a, a launch point into a thing called TIV. TIV. I've mentioned this over the years since I've become aware of it, and um, it's called the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. The tendency for interpersonal victimhood. And Once I walk through this with you, you, I think you're going to be way more attuned to how this uh, personality construct, how this uh, animates and and informs so many interactions that you probably deal with. Seriously, once I there's like four points to it, and when I go over the four points, you're gonna you're gonna say, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah." Now it makes sense. All right, so what was the story? It was about, it came out of the Charlotte Observer, reporter Joe uh, Marusak, or Marusak, um, headline, Daughters Twerking in Charlotte Apartment Pool Preceded Eviction Notice, Woman Claims. Right? So a Charlotte woman said she was startled to learn that she's being evicted in the aftermath of her 21-year-old daughter and a friend twerking in the pool of their high-rise apartment complex last month. And then the friend cursing at a concierge, who is somebody who just works you know, for the apartment building. Concierge. Uh, I, I don't know. We would call them apartment management or, or something. I never call them concierges. I don't know if that's the preferred term. I'm not trying to apply pronouns to people erroneously. But that's what the title is in the story, so we're just going to go with that. All right, so I was going to say, like, paint this mental picture of the twerking, but let's not do that. Instead, just know that this individual who, you know, they keep saying it's her daughter, and it is her daughter. She's apparently on the lease. Her daughter, I guess, lives there or whatever. Um, But her daughter is 21 years old, is an adult, a legal adult, who's in the pool So I'm assuming wearing a bikini or a bathing suit or something in the pool and engaging in the twerking. And if you don't know what the twerking is, it is uh, at, well, let's see here. He describes it in the piece as sexually suggestive dancing with hip thrusts and other moves. So it is essentially uh, you bend over at the waist Put your rump up against the pelvic area of another person, generally, and you then shake 
your derriere up against that other person. Uh, you don't have to be up against the person. You can do this just alone. But if you're in the pool with somebody and you're doing this, it simulates a sex act. That's what you're doing. I don't understand why people like to do this in public. They I, just, it, it escapes me. Okay. I don't understand it, but I don't care enough to learn any more about it. It doesn't, it, it doesn't interest me to, uh, to learn more like the roots of twerking. I don't care. I'm sure there's some college level class that you could take out 40 grand a year and, and get a major in twerking or the history of twerking. Right. I, I'm sure. But that's not the point here. Marchette Foster, who is black, the Charlotte Observer tells us, told the paper that she believes what happened at the Element South Park, which is like that's the brand new apartment building right there at the corner across from the mall entrance over on Sharon Road. Pretty building. Um, but it happened at, at that building. So it's, it, it's brand new. She's only, and the, apparently they've only been in there for a little while. Um, at their outdoor pool across from the mall. Um, This happened on April 30th. But this is part of a pattern, they say, of a different concierge appearing when she and her fiancé or her daughter and friends go to relax in the pool. So you see where this is going, right? This is, they're going to make the allegation that this is racial. The concierge, which, by the way, I don't know what the races are of uh, of the concierges of the various people that work for the apartment complex. The concierge approached her daughter on April 30th and told her somebody had reported the twerking. And the daughter says that she apologized to the concierge, said that they would stop. And mom, Marchette, told uh, the observer that the concierge said that they had too many guests at the pool that afternoon. Which, by the way, if you haven't lived in an apartment complex uh, with a pool like this, uh, they do usually limit how many people you can have at the pool. I I mean, I've been at various complexes over the course of my life, and usually it's two. You're allowed to have two guests. I was at one complex. You were only allowed one. So they have caps on this sort of thing. Now, does everybody follow it? No. Did I always follow it? No. For example, when we had our uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law with their two boys, uh, there's four of them. So we are in violation, which is why I always made sure when when the boys were really young, make sure like you are not acting like idiots in this pool area. You are not going to get me in trouble at my house. And so we had to keep them in line, right? Because they're young boys. So anyway. The, uh, the the concierge says you have too many guests at the pool, but the mother says she'd never seen the concierge tell white residents that they have too many guests when they have a group of four or five on the pool deck. Now, I don't know what this mom knows about those guests. Does she know that they're all residents or not, or how many guests they've brought in that are from outside the property? I, I don't know. They, they and the paper doesn't say like how did you they they don't ask her for evidence to support this assertion that I've never seen them go up and ask these other people and the first point I would make is were they twerking how about that because if they're not twerking then probably nobody's calling the concierge on them right 
The management said that the eviction stemmed from, quote, extremely unacceptable behaviors by the daughter, her guests. And it's not just the twerking, but it also included fighting. So that's another that's another follow up question I would have. Like, were the other groups of people, were they fighting as well? Was there twerking? Was there cussing? Was there fighting? In a statement, officials say they are proud of the diversity of the residents and employees. Hmm. So it sounds like maybe some concierges may not be, you know, white male patriarchy here. I don't know. What does this have to do with the TIV? I will explain in a moment. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Are you ready? A couple of questions. Four, actually. And you're going to think in terms of a scale of one to five. One is not me at all. And five is that is so me. Okay? So one to five. One is not me. Five is totally me. Okay. Question one. It is important to me that people who hurt me acknowledge that an injustice has been done to me. Is that you? One. Or is that... Oh, I'm sorry. Is that if it's not you, you get one. You can go on a scale to two, three, four, five. But five is totally you. So if it's important to you that somebody who hurts you has to acknowledge that an injustice has been done to you, then it's a five. And then you can mark yourself, you know, anywhere on that one to five scale. All right. So that's the first one. Now just keep track of the numbers, okay? I'm not going to make you add them. Don't worry. I'm not a monster. Um, but just keep of uh, keep track of what number you uh, you offer up. That's that's first question. Second question. I think I am much more conscientious and moral in my relations with other people compared to their treatment of me. I think I'm more conscientious and moral in my relations with other people compared to their treatment of me. So if that's not you at all, that's one. All the way up to totally you, that's five. All right, third question. When people who are close to me feel hurt by my actions, it's very important for me to clarify that justice is on my side. In other words, I was justified in doing what I did. Even if it hurt you, it needed to be done. That's what justice would dictate. So number one, not me at all, all the way to five. This is so me. And the fourth question. It is very hard for me to stop thinking about the injustice others have done to me. It's hard to stop thinking. Is that you? That's a five. If it's not you, that's a one. All right, so now you got. You should have four different numbers for those questions. All right? If you gave yourself ones, twos, or threes, drop them all out. Who cares? If you scored high, four or five, on any of those questions... Um, on all of them, you have what psychologists have identified as a tendency for interpersonal victimhood, or TIV. The tendency for interpersonal victimhood, defined as, quote, an ongoing feeling that the self is a victim, which is generalized across many kinds of relationships. So, as a result, victimization becomes a central part of the individual's identity. Those who have a perpetual victimhood mindset tend to have what they call, quote, an external locus of control. Not locus like the insects, locus. In other words, 
they believe that their life is entirely under the control of forces outside of themselves, like fate, luck, mercy of other people, corporations, the patriarchy, whatever. There's, there's some power center external to them that is having this control over their lives. Four main dimensions to the TIV, Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood. Four main dimensions. Here they are. One, constantly seeking recognition for one's victimhood, which is basically Twitter. Um, <laughs> you, I'm telling you, what, you're going to hear these four, and you're going to identify people you know, you interact with, or you've argued with family members or strangers online, whatever. You're going to recognize these characteristics, okay? These dimensions. So number one, constantly seeking recognition for one's victimhood. Two, moral elitism. Virtue signaling, preening, moral preening. Right? The people who need to declare themselves a victim of some sort and then attach morality to that. Moral elitism. I'm going to go into each of these four in a minute. Number three, lack of empathy for the pain and suffering of others. I've encountered this all the time where people who are, you know, campaigning on their victimhood status cannot see the things that they do harm others. Uh, Hello, Handmaid's Tale protesters out in front of all the justices' homes. Lack of empathy for others. Lack of uh, sympathy or empathy for their pain and suffering. And fourth, the fourth dimension, frequently ruminating about past victimization. Ruminating. Rumination, this is a big one. Just can't, you just can't ever let something go. You're just constantly turning it over in your mind over and over and over again. becomes obsessive. Here's the problem. Once you embark down this path of TIV, it consumes every aspect of your life. It, cons- it, it becomes the lens by which you see everything through, your personal relationships, uh, social media interactions, workplace relationships, all of it. And what's, what's really sad is it's debilitating and they can't break you out of it. It's almost like irreversible. It just keeps getting worse. So you got the four dimensions. Constantly seeking recognition for your victimhood, moral elitism, lack of empathy for pain and suffering of others, and frequently ruminating about past victimization. We'll get into each of those four dimensions. So you shall be better armed to identify all of them. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Email here from Brett who says, Pete, please link the twerking video on your website. I cannot make an informed opinion without it. Uh, I don't believe you. Um, (laughs) And Monica says, somebody has video. You know someone has video, and I bet it is ghastly. Talking about this story at the Charlotte Observer about a woman who's being evicted because of her daughter and their friend's behavior at this apartment building. And yes, the twerking was one thing that the the mom and the daughter 
focused on in their interview with the paper, because you always paint yourself in the most flattering light, right? I mean, you people see themselves as victim or hero, never the villain, right? So they're going to present their side of it in the the best manner possible. So, oh, we, we were just we were just twerking, having some fun at the pool area with little kids around, and that's it. Oh, okay. And then when they the concierge came and said, "Hey, we got to complain about the twerking." And we're and, and I was like, okay, we'll stop. But my friend, who we had also too many friends there, my friend just started cursing out the concierge. Now, the concierge also can lay claim to sort of a, a victim status here, saying they felt unsafe. Right? They they felt like they were suffering harm, a trauma, if you will. They can make that argument as well. I know. What do you do? Competing harms. Ah, so confusing. The daughter's friend became angry and cursed at the concierge when told their group was too large. She got angry because the concierge did not order the same thing for three groups of four or five white people on the pool deck that day. Again, were they twerking? But also, the mom and daughter made reference earlier in the story to a pattern, that this is a pattern. Interesting. So there have been other occasions that have warranted the concierge to come talk to you in the pool area. Do you think that might have something to do with them evicting you finally because there was this pattern, this ongoing behavioral type of issue? They said that the property manager told her she was being evicted because of the vulgarity used by her daughter's guest. And the mom here says that's egregious. She provided the... Charlotte Observer, a copy of the email that she got from the regional property manager. And it says, over the past 48 hours, I have received several videos of the behaviors slash activities of the daughter and her guests at the pool and through the hallways over the weekend. As one who lived in multifamily, actually, I lived in an apartment complex almost right across the street from this one. I can tell you, people act like jerks. It's true. It is true. They act like jerks. They they got a whole bunch of friends there. They're getting high. You can smell it. They're drinking all sorts of booze. They're running up and down hallways. They're trashing the place. They're leaving, uh, you know, beer cans in the elevators and stuff, which attracts, you know, rodents and bugs. And they don't care because they don't live there. And even if they do live there, I'm just renting. I'll go find someplace else. Meanwhile, you're essentially terrorizing all of the neighbors who have cameras with microphones. Management has, quote, an extensive list of witness accounts, not only from residents, but also from employees. All witness accounts are supported by the recordings received. This is according to the letter. In a statement to the newspaper, company officials have uh, say that they have video of additional incidents of disruptive behavior by the daughter and her guests. Resident statements and video show the resident and her guests performing acts of public nudity, fighting, and other extremely unacceptable behaviors for any of our residents to witness. But it is especially unacceptable due to the presence of small children. Oh, sounds like there's a little more to the story. Foster told The Observer that the fighting, the nudity, and claims about other acceptable behavior or unacceptable behavior, those are all false. 
Her daughter was wearing a string bikini, but that's not nudity. You're wearing a string bikini, doing the twerking, running all around the pool, fighting and cursing. I don't know what the string bikini is made out of. I don't know how active the twerking was, but she says they're making us out to be unkempt, uncouth, that we don't follow the rules. It's not true. It's like they're fabricating. Tendency for interpersonal victimhood. Four dimensions. Constantly seeking recognition for one's victimhood, moral elitism, lack of empathy for the pain and suffering of others, and frequently ruminating about past victimizations. Almost as if you would go to a paper with your story. Um, Constantly seeking recognition of one's victimhood. Those who score high on this dimension have a perpetual need to have their suffering acknowledged. In general, this is a normal psychological response to trauma. Experiencing trauma tends to shatter our assumptions about the world as a just and moral place. So, recognition of one's victimhood is a normal response to trauma, and it can actually help reestablish your confidence in the perception of the world as a fair and just place to live. But it is also normal for victims to want the perpetrators to take responsibility for their wrongdoing and to express feelings of guilt. Right? So, when you have trauma, and they make it clear here that, you know, people who actually experience trauma go through these things. That's why you get therapy, you work through it. But people who don't actually experience actual trauma are now exhibiting these dimensions, these characteristics, this mindset. Number two, a sense of moral elitism. Those who score high on that one perceive themselves as having an immaculate morality and view everyone else as being immoral. Moral elitism can be used to control others by accusing them of being immoral, unfair, selfish, while seeing yourself as supremely moral and ethical. A lot of times it develops as a self-defense mechanism against deeply painful emotions and as a way to maintain a positive self-image. But as a result, those under distress tend to deny their own aggressiveness, their own destructive impulses, and they project them onto others. Oh my gosh, does that sound familiar? I know, I'm just describing social media. The other that you're projecting on is perceived as threatening, whereas the self is perceived as persecuted or vulnerable while also being morally superior. The problem is when you, when you split the world into saints and devils, right? You may be trying to protect yourself from pain and, and damage to your self-image, but it ultimately stunts your growth and development, and it, it, it ignores the ability to see yourself and the world in a complex way, which it is. The world is complex. People are complex. That's Neil Diamond. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Going over the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. This is a mindset. It's got four different uh, dimensions to it. I've already gone over uh, three of them. Uh, So they are constantly seeking recognition for one's victimhood, moral elitism, lack of empathy for the pain and suffering of others, and frequently ruminating about past victimization. 
So, uh, or I've already gone to over two of them. So lack of empathy. People score high on this dimension. They are so preoccupied with their own victim status that they are oblivious to the pain and suffering of others. Research shows people who have just been wronged or people who are reminded of a time when they were wronged feel entitled to behave aggressively and selfishly, ignoring the suffering of others and taking more for themselves while leaving less to others. At the group level, so that's an individual level, at the group level, research suggests that Increased attention to an in-group's victimization reduces empathy towards the adversary as well as towards unrelated adversaries. Even just the priming of victimhood has been shown to increase ongoing conflicts. Then you get into this competitive victimhood idea, which shows that members of groups involved in violent conflicts tend to see their victimization as exclusive and are prone to minimize, belittle, or outright deny any kind of suffering and pain that their adversaries are going through. A group that is so preoccupied with its own suffering can develop what psychologists refer to as an egoism of victimhood. In other words, you are unable to see things from the perspective of the other group, or you're unable or unwilling uh, to empathize with the suffering of that other group. You're unwilling to accept any responsibility for any harm that your group inflicted upon them. And finally, the frequently ruminating about past victimization. Scoring high on that one uh, means that you're, you're always talking about these interpersonal offenses and their causes and their consequences rather than think about or discuss possible solutions. And you know me. I am all about solutions. This may consist of expected future offenses or past offenses. Research shows that victims tend to ruminate over their interpersonal offenses and that such rumination decreases the motivation for forgiveness by increasing the drive to seek revenge. This is is our society's problem, like writ large. Everybody seems to be operating under this victim mindset. Researchers found that one particular um, individual uh, characteristic or, or your personality type is more susceptible to this. It's called the anxious attachment personality. Anxious attachment. Anxiously attached individuals tend to be dependent on the approval and continual validation from others. They seek reassurance constantly stemming from doubts about their own social value. This leads to anxiously attached individuals seeing others in a highly ambivalent manner. Tell me, tell me that this isn't the point, to create anxiously attached people, people who are anxious and they are attached, clingy, you know? On the one hand, they anticipate rejection from other people, but on the other hand, they're dependent on them, and they're dependent on them to validate their own self-esteem and worth. Meanwhile, they're, they're expecting to be rejected. As for the direct link between anxious attachment and the TIV, researchers say that from a motivational point of view, the tendency for interpersonal victimhood seems to offer anxiously attached individuals, quote, an effective framework for constructing their insecure relations with other people. And that involves uh, garnering attention, compassion, 
and evaluation while at the same time experiencing difficult negative feelings and expressing them within their relationships. Now, you take this from the individual level up to the group level, and victim beliefs can be learned through many different channels, like education, CRT, TV programs, online social media, Groups can learn that victimhood can be leveraged as a power play. And aggressiveness can be legitimate and fair if one party has suffered. This is what people have adopted. People may learn that internalizing a victimhood mentality can give them power over other people, other groups, and it protects them at the same time from any of the consequences of online mobbing and shaming that they may impose on members of the perceived outgroup. So, if socialization can instill in, in people a victimhood mindset, surely the very same process can instill a personal growth mindset, right? What if we all learned at a young age that trauma doesn't have to define you, that it's possible to have experienced a trauma and for victimhood to not form the core of your identity? That it's even possible to grow from trauma, to become a better person, to use those experiences for self-improvement.